Oh, yeah. I just want to say, what is love? Okay. What is love? I'll yeah. tell you, you what love is. I mean, just imagine if you were saying, instead of what is love, they go, stolen love. Right? That's more sexy. I'll tell you what love hmm. is. Love is my bumps. My oh, lovely you know butter Let's bumps. Let's just start over. Listen, Eric, there's nothing wrong with having rigid form to your posterior. <laughs> rigid form? I was trying to reference Butter Bumps, the, the fool. Well, now we're talking about your Butter Bumps. What? Yeah, well, okay. On the topic of my Butter Bumps. Come at <laughs> me, bro. The door, Eric. Have a listen to some of our behind-the-scenes, uh, I was going to say footage, but whatever, footage, uh, <laughs> later later in the week if you want to hear a backstory on uh, Eric's uh, transitional skills that Mike has been wiring, it, wiring uh, in tonight. It's Game of Owns. Yeah, well, I don't know. If, I don't know what, if anything, can compete with. Tell your father I'm here. Um, not, not many things. Hmm. You guys like that on a on, Tell your father I'm on here. a social media True. this week? Yes, a lot of people. So You've cool. ruined that phrase for a lot of people, Michael. <laughs> I would ruined it. By the way, I didn't post it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not sure who the culprit is. But it wasn't me. So that leaves three. <laughs> Strike. Uh, it was random. It was just like to get to the keyboard. One day at like twelve thirty p.m. from the Game of Thrones Twitter. One random day. Was it like a Wednesday? I don't. It was remember. August twenty eighth. Mm. I don't know. This? Only the person who posted it would know what day it was. Twenty eighth. It was Thursday. It was a random Thursday at like twelve thirty seven p.m. on an unspectacular time. To be fair, exceptional. What makes the Thursday not random? It, it's. Because maybe this made the the Thursday significant. It was. It did. I mean, we were just going about our days. I'm sure that I was somewhere random off a street in a western suburb of Chicago, and I see I get a little text in my phone because I get the Game of Owns tweets to my phone, and I see on Facebook all it says is Game of Owns. <laughs> Tell your father I mean. <laughs> That's all it needs to say. Kate. Kate wrote uh-huh. it. I think. What else? Yeah, what? Yeah, she wrote it. Well, she was. Attacked. I don't even have Facebook. We had immediate uh, th- thrills and reactions and responses. Amanda Vivian Howard on Facebook said, "Quote: Immediate butter bumps. I love slash hate that when I read this, all I hear in my head is Micah's voice." A, a lot of people said that. <laughs> Mike Burns uh, well, not, goes, not hate. "He goes classic Game of Owns." <laughs> 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 classic. That's oh, a relatively classic. new joke, but Dave Clark it's on classic. Facebook quoted Zach and said, "Dad, Mike is here," which <laughs> fucking killed me when I heard it. Oh my! There's gosh. very little. There's very little on our show here that doesn't fucking kill you, Kate. I know. I laugh too much. That's like my thing now. No, not too much. There's no such thing as laughing. You too Lannisters much. with your gold and your lions. And your gold lions. Gold lions. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. You guys are you guys have been fun this week. Yeah. Um, it's been, Thanks, it's Gabby, been a good for week for us. We've been very excited to ease into this chapter was major because this was previous. I don't you, obviously you unsullied don't remember this, Michael. You you might remember, but this was the preview chapter, um, either at the end of Clash of Kings or something that was released between Clash and Storm, um, and this was. Like, this was the one thing that you could, like, was your teaser for, for Storm of Swords. And it was her telling Elena and Marjorie this whole thing about Joffrey being a monster it was an yeah. awesome, awesome <laughs> teaser chapter. And you just did, like, you knew that this book was going to be awesome just from that it. That is so. so brilliant. Like, I think that we're over the hump of the beginning of 
the book. I mean, we're about a hundred pages in to the book and we've had like a great start as we've discussed in recent weeks. But like the Sansa chapter, it's no less important. It's no less exciting. It's twice as long as the Davos one before it, but you do get the sense of, of fear and grip for Sansa. But now you're kind of thinking about court again after a long way away. So as a preview, it kind of skipped all that, you know, hubbub and action in the beginning of this book, but it still gives you the suspense of knowing that something that this storyline has to play itself out. And not only that, but it puts Sansa, who's just had the short end of the stick handed to her time and time again for the the entirety of this book, it feels like, or the entirety of this, this story. Um, but she's finally been put into a situation where powerful people Marjorie's going to be the next queen. Olena is the the matriarch of House Tyrell, and she's awesome. Um, but she's given this secret and been put under the protection of the Tyrell house. And you finally have this moment of like, Sansa might actually be safe. Finally, after all of the stuff she's been through, this might actually be something that people are going to be able to protect her from the Lannisters at long last. He's given you, he, of course, being George R. R. Martin, he's giving us this this uh false uh, sense of security precisely <laughs> yeah. false obviously well, yeah i mean we all know we all know what happens you no know, i just think it is nice to think that sansa might get out of there um you know king's landing where she's been trapped for for better or for worse there yeah one of the best things this this chapter is all almost entirely about women there's some stuff about loris and renly that we should of course talk to, talk to but um it's mostly about this, these women who are generally treated pretty, uh, I mean, this, it's a misogynist culture. I wouldn't say that George necessarily writes in a misogynist way, but it's definitely a culture that where women are objects of, um, of court and politics and they're, they're, they're not necessarily as, uh, important to the realm as the men. Um, but in this chapter, they are using what they can use to exert their own power. And to control someone's destiny in a way that is good and helps her to escape from this this crushing environment that, she, that she's in, which I really love. Hold right there, Kate, because that makes <laughs> me think of something. Though does does Elena? You mentioned these women no. um, being held off to the side. Does Elena treat these mm-hmm. women that she's dining with any better? Really, though, because the major players in this chapter, of course, Lady Elena Tyrell, uh, the Queen of Thorns, her granddaughter Marjorie, and. Sansa. But there are, unlike the show, there are like 12 other women. I'm not saying that all women are awesome and brilliant and conniving or anything. I'm just like, (laughs) some of them might be dumb. Some of them might be smart. Mm. Elena doesn't have time for fools, which is a trait that I admire very much. Um, And if she perceives that these women are fools, then that's what she perceives. My point is not that Olena loves everyone and she treats everyone really beautifully. That's definitely not what I'm (laughs) saying. And I don't think anyone would accuse her of that. What I'm saying is that in this chapter, women are allowed to write their own chapter of a book, essentially, that kind of literally they're, they're allowed Mm. to have a say in their own fate or at least attempt to, you know, they're, they're allowed to, um, make a difference in someone's life where that doesn't necessarily happen all the time in this series or in real life for that matter. But it's a, uh, it's been, it's, it's a really cool thing to see in this, in this series where you have even like Cersei is getting married off to random people, you know, where she gets married off to, to Robert and she's still the queen, but she's still at the, the mercy of the men around her in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So to be able to, for, for these women to just be like, yeah, you know what? You're going to come to Highgarden. I think we'll take care of you. It's just, it's nice. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. They're using that, that 
ability to marry Sansa off to a member of the Tyrell family as a way of protecting her and making sure her life improves. That's awesome. Working in the system. I love it. But also using her at the same time. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think that that's the important thing here, too. And you get outsider perspective for the first time in a while, I think, because you are so exposed to what is going through the mind of the Queen of Thorns. And here's somebody who's from outside of King's Landing, but yet you still see a lot of the same, even if you don't want to compare a character like her to Cersei, they're both ultimately looking for similar things. I don't necessarily think that she wants to be you know, the Queen of Westeros, but she does want what's best for her family. And you see how all these internal politics play themselves out just in the way that she talks about all these different people. And, you know, the, the people who she has surrounding her, as you mentioned, who don't make it into the show, there's, there's quite a large group of people there. Um, but, you know, she mentions Varys at one time. She talks about Renly. She talks about Loras. She goes, you know, you, you think that because you spent so much time with these other characters earlier on in, in, in the series that, you know, that they're, they're all that matters. They're all that's important. But now you're introduced really for one of the first times to another family and you see just how much they're playing the game as the Lannisters or the Starks or the Targaryens. Yeah. And Marjorie too is a, I mean, Olena's an incredible character and she plays the game. But Marjorie, I remember when I first read this chapter, I was really impressed with her because she's 16 and she's this, you know, delicate, beautiful woman and everybody's in love with her in the town and she's doing all these acts of generosity and and um everybody's very much looking forward to her being queen and marrying Joffrey and everything else. But when she learns from Sansa the kind of treatment that that she's been subjected to at Joffrey's hand, she doesn't she doesn't really freak out. Like she's she's a 16-year-old girl and she's just learned that this man is is probably going to beat her uh, and yeah. be super cruel to her. And she's like, yep, I was afraid of that. But it doesn't change her mind. You know, she's just like, all right, that's good to know. Figured as much. And like, she's just so cool. And so like, so she's just stone cold. Even at 16 years old, she's like, all right, good information. I will, uh, yeah. I will proceed knowing that is exactly as I thought it was going to be. There's um, really nothing like, she can't handle. Yeah. yeah. Like the Tyrells are kind of, I mean, I, Mace is always portrayed as this bumbling idiot. But the ladies of House Tyrell are are pretty solid. They're they're uh, they're a tough bunch. They've got a good mentor in that sense. Yeah, they sure do. This chapter was so hopeful in many different ways. Yeah. Not only just the resonating tone of girl power, but uh, also kind of a fourth wall being broken, where uh, one of our characters is speaking on an internal truth that isn't normally vocalized. That's normally just played out in broken bits of inner monologue during the actual happenings. But uh, it's it's like a good release. She's actually speaking it, you know, when uh, when the fool is singing, yeah. and, and she lays out how she feels about Joffrey. I think that it, it kind of mirrors a lot of what Elena was saying earlier in the chapter. You know, she's speaking so much, and we're learning so much about the differences between men and women, and all the implications that that carries. But her her sort of rudeness, uh, and more more of disdain toward her hens, as she calls them. I think it, it just comes from a different place than. Uh, the brutality that the men in this story have toward the women—it's just—it's just—it's just not from the same place. It's more of a disdain, more of just like you guys are going to do nothing to help the situation. I can hardly even lead by example because I'm now too old and not very willing to be taken seriously of. And uh, I'm going to do my best to operate 
all the things that I know need to be done through Marjorie. And I think that her being groomed is so evident just in the way she's reacted to all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's uh, this whole chapter is run by Elena Terrell. There's really just, there's, there's a lot of things that happen. Sansa gets escorted down to the dinner uh, with Loras and she's very taken with him, of course, cause he's so handsome. Um, and, he, and she, she makes the mistake of mentioning Renly, um, which if you don't, if you don't understand that there's a romantic relationship between Loras and Renly, then Loras clams up and he, he gets very rude and, and it's kind of, you're as puzzled as Sansa is, um, until you remember like, oh yeah, I mean, we can't really talk about Renly dying in a, in a, in an offhand way because that's, that's Loras's lover. Yeah. Well, she thinks it's because of the other night that she yeah, mentioned too. Exactly. And because of that, it's just so like, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned him. And yeah. it's just because it's like, well, okay. I love how it's like, it's like paratextual. You're just like, nope, nope. It was Renly. That's why he clammed up, but right. she doesn't know. And seeing her gradual, like the gradual, um, blossoming of Sansa into someone who is aware of things. It's really interesting to see her not be totally aware of everything just yet. So there are still a bit of there's still a bit of innocence in Sansa, and I, I think it's it's kind of a beautiful chapter. I would call for, it innocence. It's, I mean, it's foolishness, it's ignorance, yeah, on some level, and that maybe not as much with the 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 Renly and Loras relationship, but I feel like she's very much ignorant throughout this chapter, even when she's having the conversation with uh, the Queen of Thorns and. You know, she she's she's very much her age, and and I think though that that's okay. You know, it's not not necessarily looked upon as a bad thing, but you know, in in she's so afraid of of speaking the truth, of saying things that she shouldn't, or for going on too long. And you know, th- this is the Sansa that a lot of us, having read the books, you know, it's it's still there. You I mean, know, is it ignorance? Is it not innocence? I mean, she just wants to be loved with a prince. Like when she thinks it's Loras that she's going to, you know, be wed to under Marjorie's plan, she goes into a fantasy world. It's it's right back where she was when he was escorting well, her down to dinner. I mean, I, I think there is. A- I think some of it is innocence. I'll grant you that, but I think she's also very ignorant to what goes on around her, and and what is happening within the context of a lot of the situations that she's put in. She she even recalls the fact that the Hound was willing to take her away the night of the Blackwater battle, and she decided not to go. Yeah, like she would have been gone from King's Landing. Yep. She wouldn't have even been in this situation anymore. Is that ignorance or is that innocence? It's hard to say. It's kind of a dodgy situation. Yeah, I mean, I think she knows that she made the wrong choice there. Like, I think that's kind of what she reflects on in the beginning of the chapter when she mentions the Hound. I mean, you could look at it as good decision making too. Don't get me wrong, but well, I, I'm just saying, you know, you, you still she hasn't fully matured or gotten to the point where she's that badass that we see at the end of season four. Oh yeah, uh, in in the eerie, right? Well, but yeah, you will see this gradual transformation of her character, and I think that a lot of these situations that she's gone through and that we're now reading through in this chapter. Uh, we'll play into that. From the beginning, the invitation seemed innocent enough, but every time Sansa read it, her tummy tightened into a knot. She's to be queen now. She's beautiful and rich, and everyone loves her. Why would she want to sup with a traitor's daughter? It could be curiosity, she supposed. Perhaps Marjorie Tyrell wanted to get the measure of the rival she displaced. Does she resent me? I wonder. Does she think I bear her ill will? 
Sansa had watched from the castle walls as Marjorie Tyrell and her escort made their way up Igon's high hill. Joffrey had met his new bride-to-be at the King's Gate to welcome her to the city, and they rode side by side through cheering crowds, Joff glittering in gilded armor, and the Tyrell girls splendid in green with a cloak of autumn flowers blowing from her shoulders. She was sixteen, brown-haired and brown-eyed, slender and beautiful. The people called out her name as she passed, held up their children for her blessing, and scattered flowers under the hooves of her horse. Her mother and grandmother followed. The same small folk who pulled me from my horse and would have killed me, if not for the hound. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, for what I just said, though, in this moment, the, the very first paragraph that you read, Zach, she's starting to play the game in her mind. Exactly. She's saying to herself, hold on a second, is this legitimate or is it a trap? Am I being set up here right. to just be beaten and stripped naked? I don't have anybody to save me like Tyrion did the last time this happened. Uh, you know, Tyrion is still recovering from his wounds. Uh, and, and so... Will Joffrey be there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's all of that. But it, it shows you that she's starting to think like a player in the game. She's, she's just smartly assessing if she has anybody and she doesn't. The Hound left. Tyrion is, as you say, recovering. Like, she does question the nature of this invitation rather than just gush about it. Um, I mean, I really like at the end of the second paragraph where they talk about the crowd because this is a crowd, I mean, during the riots um, where Sansa was attacked by these same people who are now cheering on Marjorie Tyler. It's just an interesting contrast because that public, you know, we fear them. We fear for Sansa. So you've got the small folk that are celebrating the arrival of these people, which we can assume is attributed to the new influx of foodstuffs making its way into the landing of kings, which it all goes down to food makes sense. I mean, uh, they're winning allegiances any way that they can. And again, uh, Sansa kind of makes an offhand remark in her mind, nothing that Marjorie has done, because I think that we're, we're meant to know that, uh, there's so much more at play here, especially when just, just, just getting the, the grand perspective of it all. I feel like the show, can't do there just isn't a budget and there just isn't literal time there to give us like the full girth of what a royal ish arrival into king's landing actually is but mm. this is a uh, litter that's being is it a litter it's i forget what she's writing in exactly olena but it's basically a carriage of thousands of roses silvery and like carved beautifully into wood and they're being taken to the place where the people that rule the entire world for their minds uh live and there's tents being thrown up behind large keeps on the interior parts of the castle. And there's people training. It's busy. It's, it's buzzy. It, there's a hubbub. There's, there's, there's happenings surrounding all of this. What really grounds the chapter is that within all of this, uh, this important person wants to see Sansa so badly and wants to just know a little bit of information from her. And it just does a really good job of making her very important. Do you guys feel like there's any other kind of motivation on the part of the Tyrells besides protection of Sansa? Is she is she politically yeah, valuable? Yeah, up Cersei's mm-hmm. plans, man. Well, lots of things. There's <laughs> sure. lots of possibilities. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I, I, I'll let Zach and Eric reply, and then I'll chime in. I well, guess. just just what Mike had said. She has she clearly has disdain for the Lannisters, and she says as much, you know, to. Well, it's, it's evident in the way she speaks and what she says to Sansa about the Lannisters, how she regards them. Um, 
I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. She, she does want to insert herself in the game and, and, and fuck shit up for the Lannisters. I think that's pretty clear. But the Lannisters don't have any plan for Sansa at this point, do they? She's just a prisoner. Other than just keeping her for the North, I guess. Yeah. Knowing the nature of, of Joffrey, which they find out, I think it's, it's clear that she's just going to be harmed. I don't know. It's, it's interesting because for me, I'm thinking, well, marriage in the books, also means it's it's as political as it is anything else and and so i'm wondering why this offer comes to marry um sansa to willem uh tyrell willis i'm wondering why like what that if that has an an ulterior motive but i'm wondering what the benefits of that would be for highgarden um i mean they are from the south it is said at least uh you know, and, and the Starks, again, Winterfell being in, in the north, I'm wondering if they're trying to do like what the Lannisters have being wardens of the east and the west and that kind of thing. I'm wondering if they're kind of have a, a larger game plan for, for having their families united across the lands. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's almost like they're trying to back all the different horses. Like they're, they're marrying Marjorie to Joffrey because he's the king and Marjorie would be the queen. But if Sansa ends up being the sister of the king in the north, and the Lannisters lose, then they are married into the royal family. Like, is it, are they just covering their bases? Like, what's, what's going on there? Well, I think it's because of uh, Lord Puffish of Highgarden sticking his neck out. <laughs> right? I think Olena says as much when, when she, I, I can't forget the exact, or I can't remember yeah, the exact I quote. Actually, Do you have it? I, I got it for you. Read it, dude. She says, My son ought to take the Puffish for his sigil, if truth be told. He could put a crown on it the way the Baratheons do their stag, mayhap. That would make him happy. We should have stayed well out of all this bloody foolishness, if you ask me. But once the cow's been milked, there's no squirting the cream back up her udder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it just goes on to say, after Lord Puffish put that crown on Renly's head, we were into the pudding up to our knees. So here we are to see things through. And what do you say to that, Sansa? Exactly. That's that's the whole bit. Like your she, your she Elena does... Tyrell impression is terrible. <laughs> I was going to do this whole like Professor McGonagall thing when I read I read what this you quote. You, you should stores. totally. Oh boy. <laughs> she doesn't want to see this done half-assed. She understands that they were pretty well off the way they were. Uh, it's already pretty cool that they're the ones running High Garden after history is told. Why not like chill out? But instead, uh, they took an opportunity. Because Rinley showered really well, and he knew just how to put on clothes that fit. So, of course, that made him feel kingly and made him feel like he had it right after everything went down. So, the uh, the Tyrells are are going through with it, all right? And what's what's wrong with marrying off a spare person from the north that just so happens to be the oldest lady and just so happens to be, you know, a blood tie directly to a large area of land in the north part of the country? You know, did you not? call her the oldest lady? She's the oldest lady of the Stark kids, right? Oh, I, I see. Of the Stark kids, uh, I wish I had <laughs> a perfect mind to say the perfect things. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were talking about Olena Tyrell again. Like, she she's is. the she's oldest an, lady. She's an old, dirty lady. She's, she's like, there. I knew your grandfather, Sansa. <laughs> not really well, not in that way, but not biblically. Um, uh, but said. I think, I think. Elena is is uh. it's a balancing act in in how she's treating Sansa at this point. You know, offering up the marriage uh, is is political. Is but I also think there's a part of her that probably does care about her well being. I, so. I think she sees her as somebody who's being 
pretty seriously mistreated and it's just validated. And, and it's fair to say at this point that Varys has supplied her with certain knowledge about how Joffrey treats her. And I think that, uh, she, at the end of the day, you know, she does want to make sure that Sansa is in a safe place. And if at the same time she can achieve the goal of screwing up the Lannisters' plans, I think that she's more than happy to do that. It's interesting that you say that you feel like Varys has supplied Elena with information because I think that you're correct. Um, and so I wonder what the purpose then of having Sansa tell them herself was, except to maybe determine if Sansa had balls. Like, yeah, if you, if, size her I up. think that's what it is. I mean, yeah. to see if she wouldn't be so brainwashed or wouldn't be so timid as to not, on you know, despite her fear, to level with them. Right, about, just stick to the party line. Well, what's the point not, of moving forward with plans that you could like really zero in and figure out whether or not maybe the Stark girl could be an ally, you know, or maybe she can't get she can't be trusted, or like she says in the chapter, maybe she is as as daft as everyone is saying she is. So I think that you know if it just cost her an evening and a dinner, like it wasn't much to trade off for learning all there is about this person that her daughter is replacing as queen especially when you're already hosting seven or eight other women granddaughter yeah and let's not forget there's there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes here and and we saw in the show this season what the queen of thorns role is as it relates to joffrey and what happens to him so do you think that plan is in action already because i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if it's in action already and the reason why i say that is this could be in in a way justification you know almost evidence as to why you know confirmation of why she should go through with her plan because you know Olena has been around King's Landing now for a period of time she's gotten to see Joffrey she's gotten to see Tommen and maybe Tommen looks a little bit better <laughs> of an option, even though he's, what, nine years old? Still, I don't quite know that you'd be at that level where you just meet your future in-laws and then you're like, well, I like that younger one a little bit better. Maybe I should plot, start one right now to kill uh, the main guy and have his little brother take over. Like, it's I don't business. think it's, th- mm-hmm. I don't think it's there yet, though. I mean, I think for me, it was when they spoke to Sansa. That they really understood that this is that, that Marjorie and Elena both understood that that Joffrey was going to be an issue. Well, I think again that she already had an idea of what he was like. I think this conversation was more affirmation of what she already knew. She wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth, and this may set into motion certain things that happen later on. Mm-hmm. I think that's safe to say. I, I'm rereading the the paragraph where Marjorie is describing Highgarden to Sansa and mm-hmm. knowing what Sansa's fate is, which is of course to never actually get to Highgarden. Oh, um, never? It's just, it is just, <laughs> Not so, <calm> anyway. <laughs> no. it is so uh, distressing because you go on this little mental vacation. Can I read this to you guys? You want sure. a little, yeah. little vacation mm-hmm. to Highgarden? Read it in a right. professor well, McGonagall mean. voice. No, that's for Elena. This is Marjorie. I, I, uh, I want you guys to just close, close your eyes. Oh, it's close guided your eyes. meditation. Here we go. And, and we're gonna go. We're gonna take a little trip to Highgarden. Okay. Here we go. Why do I hear the ocean? All the <laughs> that's because it's on the sea. 
All the autumn flowers are in bloom just now, and there are groves and fountains, shady courtyards, marble colonnades. My lord father always keeps singers at the court, sweeter ones than butters here, Mm. and pipers and Mm. fiddlers and harpers as well. We have the best horses and pleasure boats to sail along the mander. Do you hawk, Sansa? Oh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, read her response. A little, she admitted. <laughs> she, she admitted. She admitted it. Uh, I'm so glad we have oh. a podcast where like, we can go uh, on the record and, and admit things to our listeners and grow close to them. So I'm going to take this moment to tell everyone that um, I, I hawk. I bit. never hawked. I never, I've never hawked. I hawk a bit. Yeah. Do a little hawking. Anybody? It's important. You know, it's, it's what I love. Clears the throat. Not that kind of hawking, Micah. That was actually a good reading, Kate. I Thank like when you, you said best horses. I was like, they're so, these horses are great. I've been practicing because I've been reading Watership Down out loud to my boyfriend at night to make him, to help him fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting, I'm getting pretty good at the whole reading out loud thing. I'm, I'm That's actually it. one of our Patreon uh, reward levels. Oh Kate, no. Reading you sleep. <laughs> 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 it's up there. Oh <laughs> uh, no. The, the Patreon reward level is you send me a joke and I will record myself reading it and then laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> okay. I like that one. That's not good. Don't that do that one. That's pretty good. Anyway. So High Garden, anyway. <laughs> high Garden sounds baller. It sounds so cool. It does. And it's, it seems like something Santa would love. It's like the perfect princess vacation that she's always been <laughs> dreaming that court would be like and not this bullshit that she's been put through. Yeah. That's, and that's the thing, though. And she taste it, you know? Yeah. She did say she felt this way about King's Landing. Like, she was just as hopeful about King's Landing being sure. as romantic as the nation's capital. So, I wonder if High Garden really is that cool. Like, Well, that we'll never know because she doesn't get to go there. She gets... <sighs> She gets you keep saying spirited never. away. You, well, you know something that I don't. I'm sure you know several things. She goes. She goes there. But when I say never, I'm referring to the never. end of the show as we've seen it. That's that's good to clarify. Well, um, I wanted to draw the comparison earlier to Theon. Uh, bear with me for a moment. But when she when Olena is you know testing Sansa, she's trying to make sure that she's not you know too beaten and downtrodden to appreciate what she's going to try to do for the girl. Um, you know, Theon, as we've seen in the show, gets beaten and, and brainwashed to the point where he will betray his own people. And forgets his name. <laughs> you know, forget. Well, yeah, much, much more extreme example. And I think they really just don't know until they meet with Sansa how battered she is. Um, and how, you know, whether or not she's going to be able to, um, not just speak ill against the Lannisters, but to come away for whatever future causes they may have for her. Um, to know that she can stand up and say, yes, he's a monster, even with these other women. And I understand they're distracted by this clown or whatever. He's a but fool. But she, sa- she says in a room full of people that he's a monster. You know, it's not just some tent somewhere with the occasional cheese boy coming around. This is in front of a bunch of people. She has said he's a monster. And I think that's a really big character moment for her. I also want to do like a quick shout out here to Sophie Turner. Her performance when she mm. enacted this scene was so good. Like her fear of Joffrey yeah. as she's as she's telling this story. I couldn't stop thinking about it when I was reading. <laughs> so good. She's, there's nobody else that could have played this role. Nathan wrote into Facebook. He said, looking forward to Zach and Eric's reaction to butter bumps. I <laughs> like to call butter stuff. Butternuts. Uh, butter, butternuts. Butternuts. 
<laughs> so, Kate and Mikey, you can sit this one out. Zach, what do you think about Butter Bumps? I don't want them to sit it out because I don't even know what to think about this guy. He's an enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a pastry, wrapped in a lie. Huh? Hmm? What? Hmm? Butter Zach Bumps? said all there is to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder patch how... Patchface is cryptic. Patchface has like a more cryptic element to him than Butterbumps. Butterbumps is talented. Can we just get that out of the way? I mean, this guy oh, is an accomplished super. illusionist. I mean, he, talk about yeah. sleight of hand. The birds, like the chicks, like down that woman's like sleeve. That was mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah, she was about um, to burst out crying. The Fossways are getting flustered. They're like, where's, oh, and then, you know, it's just, he really held the evening together. But not only that, he, he supplied the, the volume that was necessary for Sansa to even speak ill. Of Joffrey That's true. in front of you know, I was going to say for how for how like mean or um how critical Elena was of eunuchs. She says, "Well, I, I don't quite see the point in eunuchs. <laughs> They're the men, but with the the best bits <laughs> chopped off or something like that." Um, you know, I wonder how she feels about clowns, but she utilizes this butter bumps in such a way as to distract all the other women at the table so she can have a a quiet moment with Sansa, but. Um, you're right. I mean, Butterbumps really does supply the exact distraction that Olena needs to pull this off. And he sings and sings, offers to sing upside down on his head, even. <laughs> Will Which... that make you sound better? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, well, just use your feet. Uh, moving on. Uh, Un- unbelievable. Like, yeah. this this fool, hey, he's, he's, you know, he's not the only fool mentioned in this chapter. Of course, there was a little brief bit about Sir Dantas Hollard and his everlasting promise to take Sansa away himself on the wedding day. But uh, this fool, I'd say, is is more promising. I think that's important, though, too, is that this whole plan is being made for that wedding day, whereas in the show, Dantos was gone for such a long period of time, and then all of a sudden they run into each other. Mm. Uh, it might have even been in the same episode, if not the episode before. Right. And uh, it's... It's much more um, planned out in this, in in you know between the last book and this book, and so when it actually happens, it seems like it has a little bit more uh, substance and backstory to it. But uh, as far as Butterbumps goes, <laughs> he's just uh, you know, he serves a dual purpose, he's right? A big guy he's, for Sansa. To make her feel at ease, to make her feel comfortable, to maybe put a smile on her face, um, but also, as you guys had mentioned, to really take the attention off of the conversation that's happening between Marjorie and Olena and Sansa. And you wonder if Olena's used this tactic before at all. Like, does Butterbumps know all the family secrets and everything that's going on? Like, anytime she needs to have quiet, because she mentions that there's also spiders in Highgarden. Um, yeah. and so is, is he this tactic that's used to make so much noise and create such a distraction that she's able to go about her business and not attract attention to herself? I think if anything, it's more reinforcement that she had the evening pretty well planned out and kind of knew what her approach would need to be. And, uh, that just shows the care of the situation, which I think does nothing but strengthen this sort of long, strong and drawn out crescendo from the beginning of the book all the way to the wedding. It's just on many different fronts. We're now looking forward to it because of the possible marriage and the possible trip. Before, we were just kind of wondering what sort of stuff would go down with Dantos. But now there's there's kind of an official invitation. It's kind of like when Harry was going to live at Grimmauld Place you know, for about 10 minutes there. 
it was just like, oh wait, you're telling me that I'm going going to get to go to High Garden. I mean, I think at this point, um, we're probably meant to expect that whenever the time reaches, things will probably be so troublesome that it won't matter who she's marrying. She just wants to get out of there. You know, I'm wondering if it isn't like totally like really super smart for Olena to have done this in such a public way, at least, you know, like a dinner, because if she called Sansa to her in a less public setting, like it may be picked up by these very spiders um, that exist there. You know, it's like, well, if Cersei Lannister were to find out that Sansa attended this dinner function, you know, she could send her spies there even to it, but it's like, well, no, she was, she was in like with seven other women at the same time. Like there was no right. private conversations. Mm-hmm. Clearly no scheming was able to happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's super Planned. important. Whereas if she had just called her to her chamber or something one night or gone to visit, she could have been spotted. Like it would have been like hiding it and hiding in plain sight is really like, is actually really smart. The more you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But I mean, who's to say that, Cersei won't find out the truth. Mm. Well, not if the fool can help. <laughs> All right, so what do we do? We do owns, we talk about uh, butter stuff, and we move on, right? That's We did talk about butter stuff. We did stuff. talk about butter stuff. You know what so. I want to talk about? I want to talk about good old lefty and righty. <laughs> I knew you were going there because your name is a part of it. <laughs> well, n- not only uh, my name, it's a story of my childhood, which I care to share. So if I can start owns. <laughs> you have a twin we don't know about? If I may. If I may. In vitro. He <laughs> um, just absorbed him. The, the question ass. is: Am I left? Am I lefty or righty? No, no. Um, it's funny because I have an aunt. Uh, actually, I have like four aunts, but one of them lives in Philadelphia, and I grew up about an hour northwest of Philadelphia. And one of the things that uh, characterized my childhood was that she would always call me with a slight Philadelphian accent. It sounded more like Arik than Eric, which is how I say my name. Um, so there was Eric and then there was what she called me, which was Arik. And now Eric and Arik are both characters in Game of Thrones. So I had to laugh when I read this chapter and those two gentlemen, uh, who are both like seven feet tall, uh, get my own. Left and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Left and right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, my own goes to Elena Tyrell and anybody who has a different own is a bigger fool than Butterbumps. Ooh. Ooh. I know he's a pretty big fool, King. Right. Mm-hmm. Three moon boys. That's true. There's three of them. <laughs> I wish you could just measure the weight and measure everything in moon boys. How many, how many <laughs> how moon boys? Is seven that? moon boys. All right. Well, tell me how many moon boys my own gets, okay? Okay. Okay. This was directly following Sansa's huge interior battle that we talked about uh, at the beginning of the chapter, where she was trying to decipher uh, what exactly this invitation would entail and what would come with it. Upon thinking all of this out, the book says, Sighing, she got out quill and ink and wrote Marjorie Tyrell a gracious note of acceptance. Basically, what's happening here is she's thinking all that bullshit and then just without even a mechanical response, she knew to immediately just flourish out the most congenial general response ever. And mm-hmm. uh, that was that was tough. That was that was cool of her to do. Agreed. She definitely I mean, all those classes that Arya couldn't quite get through are certainly helping Sansa out. She's a right damn now. lady. Yeah. All right. She keeps her thoughts to herself like a lady should, right, Kate? (laughs) No. No. I got to give my own to Elena as well. Yes. And um, it ties into a little bit of what I said before when she says, at High Garden, we have many spiders amongst the flowers. So long as they keep to themselves, we let them spin their little webs. But if they get underfoot, we step on them. (laughs) Now, child, the truth. 
What sort of man is this Joffrey who calls himself Baratheon but looks so very Lannister? Oh. <laughs> She's so smart. Yeah. Ah! All right. So in, in order, zero moon boys for Micah. I would say uh, one moon boy for Zach mm. and like five moon boys for Eric. What? Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, let me, go, let me go. Let me go. Two for each of the seven foot tall men named uh-huh. Eric and Ark and one yeah. for my story about my childhood. Yep. Very aunt. good. Uh, Very good. I think, Thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, we do. We should give a, a special shout out though to uh, the person who we quoted earlier on in this episode because he does get a mention in this chapter uh, for crippling Willis Terrell, and that is Oberyn. I saw that. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. crippling him and befuddling guys. the Maester Oberyn. It was that man. damned. That damned Oberyn Martell. Snake of a Dornish. You snake of a Dornishman. <laughs> oh, but his father. horse, it says I his horse know. fell and crushed his Dude, leg, so it wasn't like a cool idea. battle or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's really the thing, is Willis should have, not that you can control when a horse falls on you or not, but I guess there are signs, and you could totally do like a jump split he and roll was, off. He was a squire, though. He was probably pretty young at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible Oberyn took it too far. I want to know, like, under what circumstances... Oberyn was was up from Dorne and not bedding women and <laughs> and making children Good at question. the time. Yeah, yeah. If it's not a revenge kick, I wonder why he even bothers to go to the same places that Willis, uh, little old Willis Tyrell, the squire, would have been. But uh, I'm sure it was a mm-hmm. festival, right? Got to show pageantry and honor. In light of our first chapter involving the Queen of Thorns, uh, the influx of Owns was very strong. There was a spike, and it has allowed us to access a brilliant part of our show that I really introed really poorly just now because my dog was jumping on me. Uh, <laughs> I think this is this the first time we've ever gotten the fart emoji in one of our Owns? There's Whoa. a fart emoji. Oh, it's a cloud. Oh, oh Jesus. It's for strike. That's a fart. <laughs> it's a chef's it's, hat it's an, sideways. It's an own. Listen, it's an own about farts. It's okay. Well, a- Angel clearly was able to foretell what strike was going to do in the show (laughs) everyone's like what are you talking about because it was cut yeah okay so let's get to this so let's get to it on our facebook uh wall people have scrolled those who have scrolled begin with jennifer christian who says the queen of thorns owns all she plays up that she is old and inept but in the end she is a criminal mastermind (laughs) eric does she play inept does she play old (laughs) i think i think there's a line or two that would support that in this in this chapter then of course angel flores says but in all seriousness give it up for sansa own goes to and this is not that good of an own it's just a quote okay what but it's a quote their farts <laughs> don't actually smell like that? roses how can you say it's not a good own I, well no it's a quote like it's not it's an exaggeration it's like it's it's the lady of thorns the queen of thorns being snarky that's that's what it is it's i don't know that it would necessitate a fart emoji anyway we're getting off track. Angel Flores with the fart emoji says, Owen goes all the Tyrells for having their gas smell like roses. This is truly an amazing fantasy series. Yeah. That is when I knew that this game, that this Song of Ice and Fire series was, was, was going to be great when it, when it really allowed me to break out the fart emoji. Did she say that or did you say that? No, I said that. But Angel Flores did add, in all seriousness, give it up for Sansa for learning a thing or two and having the courage to tell the truth. That's true. Mm -hmm. Takes courage. We definitely do agree. Samantha Jones has a quote for us. Actually, before she has a quote, now I'm reading in order. Thanks, Micah. Lady Olenna owns this chapter without a doubt. She means well like the Starks and is generally a 
good character, but she sure isn't held back by pesky honor like the Starks. She owns, in this chapter, for getting the truth out of Sansa and showcasing her wit and pointing out the foolishness of men for underestimating women. Quote, All these kings would do a deal better if they put down their swords and listened to their mothers. One of my favorite quotes from the whole series. I agree, Samantha Samantha Jones. Jones. I think Catelyn would agree, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think so. And so would Janet Robinson. Yeah, Janet Robinson, uh, I think she would agree with it wholeheartedly. Janet Robinson adds, the Queen of Thorns rocks it. And it, what, what is it, everyone asks? Well, it's the inexplainable, whatever that is. You know, There's an emoji for it. Whatever that is. It's now time for... Is it? <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> uh, the first one from Nicole says, uh, Sansa won. Duh, who else? Yeah. Olena owns. Mm-hmm. Hashtag cheese master. Cheese master. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Sonia says, all my owns are, are belong to Olena, <laughs> a.k.a. Super Grand. <laughs> and quote, the cheese will be served when I want it served, and I want it served now. Yeah. <laughs> I like everybody's like fastening onto this cheese thing. Aiden, owned for Sansa, butter bumps, which could be a kind of cheese. Whose sole purpose in the Seven Kingdoms is to stop the bushes from listening. Hashtag don't stop singing. I like that hashtag. That's true. If you run out of verses, butter bumps, make one up. Jen Wyman says for Sansa 1, the Queen of Thrones owns Sansa's daydream about marrying Sir Loras. That's true. Do you want to redo that and say Queen of Thorns? I think that's what What she said. That's what the tweet said. The Queen says Queen of Thrones, but (laughs) I've... Queen of Thrones isn't a thing. I so. think both apply, to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. Oh. okay. I think that's maybe what she was going for. All right. Oh. Okay. You don't Jed know. Wyman. I don't All know. Right. Right well, in, she misspelled Sir Loras, too. So yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, what, what are we hating on the Twitter speak now? <laughs> I didn't know. See, Did Kate, are you auto? and I really Did that different? I complain about the Facebook own. You complain about the Twitter own. I yeah, Kate. Are, this, are this you and Eric about... really that different? Mm, good point. Let's continue. <laughs> this tweet from Jen Women, not to be confused with Jen Wyman, says, Sansa won. The Queen of Thorns owns Sansa's daydream about marrying Sir Loras. Oh, that was great. That was, that was good. good. That was, that was good. Good. So thank you. Um, Maferva, if that's right, uh, from <laughs> tweets at us and says, Sansa won. Butterbumps owned all the little birds and spies in the Red Keep with his singing. <laughs> Varys was just like, shit. Shit. Timothy Mulligan, owned for Sansa, Olena, and the the quote, all these kings would do a deal better if they would put down their swords and listen to their mothers. Mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mother. Uh, Mother. Got a few more here, right? Uh, Stephanie Bank. Is that her? Is that her name, or did it just get cut off? I don't know. <laughs> Stephanie B just, says Garth Greenhand gets my own for planting his seed in the in half the noble ground of the South. Garth, those ain't pumpkin seeds either. He likes it where it's fertile. Uh, Matthew Marilla, my own goes to Garland Terrell for training three versus one and for being a better sword than Loras. Yeah, says Loras. That's pretty good. Not Dan <laughs> says own goes to Westeros's aquatic life. <laughs> Pufffish. Yeah. I'm going to start fish. using that hashtag, Pufffish. Please do. And uh, Kate Appleby. Yay! Everything Yay. Olena says is an own. It doesn't matter yeah. which chapter. <laughs> she doesn't take shit from anyone. Oh, Kate Appleby! Yeah. Yeah. She's my favorite Kate. That's good. And uh, The final one. Look at this. The final one is from Teresa also known as 7373 Tinkerbell on Twitter, says, my own goes to y'all because I'm still catching up. And that was 
Mike and Wow. It's that difficult to stray from the norm. I like that my name has become a staple. That was of- <laughs> ill as fuck. are shorter, so it's easier to say, and it flows better into the context of the segment. We'll just keep it. Thanks, everyone, for writing in your owns. Um... It, th- these were good they owns. They were really good. You, you weren't lying. These, yeah, these, these are, are good. some good owns. Yeah. A lot of uh, feedback. Yeah, can, I read this, can I read this email? Yeah, you should read that email we've got on there. The subject line is, we are reading along, dot, dot, dot. Well, I am at least. I just listened to Jamie 1 and want to let you know someone is reading along with you. I am a high school teacher, and I started watching the HBO series this summer. I watched all four seasons and started listening to your podcast as well. Huh. Also... When I finished season four, I felt this huge void that seemingly could only be filled by reading the books. I read the first two before school started and now started Storm of Swords. I had to slow down now that I'm grading all the time and the timing of your Storm of Swords podcasts could not have been better. I am a few chapters ahead, but it is great to listen to your thoughts and perspectives. That said, my first own, this is his first own, you guys. This is pretty Uh momentous. This is pretty great. My first own would go to you three. I don't know which three of us he means, but it's us three. My first one would go to you three for fueling my new Game of Thrones obsession and adding the term fooking to my vocabulary. Now, I can't say that I'm comfortable with a high school social studies teacher using the word fooking. Not only that, he is the chair of the department. Jeff, social studies department chair. Oh, he's the chair. Never mind. He can say what he wants. I didn't realize he was the department chair. You know, he's not that far from your ass. Jeff. Thank you so much. Very Thank kind you of you. I'm glad. I'm glad. This is like probably the first email where someone's been like, "Hey, your pacing's pretty good." Usually, yeah. you're like, "Guys, I've read the book three times already." <laughs> Since you started, up. which we are going to be speeding it up soon. Just a lot of you know, listening. Fucking legend and dialogue. Jeff is a fucking legend of a teacher. Jeff, you are a fucking legend. Jeff, Thank here's you. our challenge to you: play a snippet of our episode uh, in your classroom <laughs> and take video footage of your children. Uh, however ages they are, that doesn't make sense. He's, he's high school, so. laughing, crying. Okay, they're high school. Take take okay, take footage of the kids that are in the classroom listening to the outtakes uh, from the Midsummer's Dream. Preferably laughing. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna no. say, do we have a uh, an un like uncensored kind of child friendly thirty seconds of our show? That one, that one's I think uncensored? friendly. I think. The, I, unless uh, the the laughter is considered like not o- okay because it's pretty it, it's pretty raucous yeah, laughter. Right. Kate's uh, laughing is just rough. downright it's, inappropriate. It's filthy. Yeah, it's she laughs still that hard. Like, not safe yeah. for work. Not mm. safe to be operating heavy vehicles while you're listening <laughs> yeah. to that. Steffers wrote it on Twitter. She said, "My stomach hurts and I'm crying with laughter from the end of the Game of Owns episode with the Orlando live show clip." So show that episode uh, to your high school students and uh, i want to know which three of us he's he's giving an own to yeah it's true jeff please write in again and uh, explain which three of us get an own so that the the Mm -hmm. next person can be kicked off the show and it's it's cool if you don't share with your with your students because do not do that that's a a terrible idea (laughs) that's a terrible plan (laughs) don't ever listen to zach say fooking it's okay well no nah you know who else is new to the podcast who mitchell Mitchell. Okay, Mitchell. Oh, yeah, yeah, look at that. Hey, Mitchell. Hey, Mitchell. He says, brand new to the podcast, loving it so far. Yeah. So. Oh, hello, sir. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. I remember seeing that tweet, and I, I, I got this feeling of like, I just want to retweet this eight times, 
and just make sure everybody <laughs> that listens to this show and tweets says hi to this guy and welcomes him. You know what you can do? You can retweet it, and then the next day you can unretweet it and then retweet it again, and it'll show up in everybody's timeline. Oh, just do that every. Does that still work? Is that yeah, not, yeah, it's it's been totally fixed works. over on Twitter? Oh, okay. Benjamin Smith on Twitter. Since we're reading shoutouts, uh, mm-hmm. we said we were recording tonight. He goes, "Can't wait." Roll Tide from a listener in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay, so point. Tide. I've been to Tuscaloosa. Tide uh, me too. Is Roll Tide like a thing in Alabama? Yeah, football. Roll Tide. Crimson Tide. Oh, yeah, Crimson Tide. <sighs> Excellent. We love Whoa, big fan, big fan. Uh, Alabama. Big, big Tide. But then uh, we have one final tweet here, I think, from Gareth, right? Yes, sure. He's from uh, The Office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hook, Oof. as uh, he's become to know on the show, he uh, says, only one good thing about waking up at 3 a.m. on Saturday. Well, who the hell? First of all, who the hell is asleep by 3 a.m. on yeah, Saturday? I, I mean, come on. Party. He says, <laughs> Game of Owns and Tenacious D in the oh, Twilight. Whoa. Do you throw down... With, uh, goo and the D at the same time. I've oh, never heard of anybody chasing our show with such a cool, like, alternate idea, like a cool alternate pastime as Tenacious D uh, and the Twilight of wherever he lives. So maybe Gareth. it's Twilight. He's it's like Twilight fan fiction that he's writing. Like in his character, in his characters of mm. Bella and Edward are listening to Game of Thrones and Tenacious D in Twilight. Think about it. I think I he should write lefty and righty in his so. next story. You know, we read tweets from both our Twitter and our Facebook outlets and our email. Let us remind you now uh, what those specific addresses are. On Facebook, you can scroll upon our wall, send us a note, send us your own when we ask for them, and otherwise check out our large variety of very awesome Oni <laughs> content. Uh, Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Of course, over on Twitter, we tweet often for you to tell your father things from us yes. and that's at twitter.com slash game of owns or at game of owns on twitter if you're tweeting at us and then when you email us please do so contact at game of owns.com that was good and uh, one other place you can reach us is on itunes where uh as of right now 274 people have left us reviews that's just in the United States doesn't count um in other places around the world not that it doesn't uh, count but we can't see it <laughs> our, our right. yes. the international well, if you're market. wondering Mike can name at least one other country <laughs> okay <laughs> Texas anyway, <laughs> we do have a, a review we'd like to share with you today and uh great that this uh individual KO driver <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> I completely fucked that up. KO it driver? It is. It's taxi driver again. Let's hear it. No, sorry. It's KO diver. It, listen, oh, driver. can I just say? I'm too used to taxi Micah, driver. Micah, I'm really, <laughs> buddy, I really didn't want to say this ever, but just to keep the mystique between these two people, it was also taxi diver. There was no R. <gasps> oh, was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my so, I mean, I think it could be the same person. All right. Uh, they say, I was a huge follower of MuggleNet, and now my obsession is Goo. By far the most interesting, informative, enlightening, funny, while keeping me unsullied podcast I have listened to. Hmm. Thank to Eric. <laughs> just just one. Wait, me? That's it. No, no, no. You get one thing. What? <laughs> Micah, hashtag, speak it to the... Mike, Micah, <laughs> in parentheses, JK. It's a free show. Zach and Kate. 
And uh, he leaves his signature, or she, oh, K.O. Diver. Oh. Driver. Diver. Driver. So good. So Just good. Just say driver. It's you know, I, I, I feel compelled to say that Muggle Knight is still a thing. I don't know. There's something very past tense about that that comment, but thank you for listening and, and being familiar with us, yeah. and now us being your obsession. We love to hear that, that that's going straight to our heads. I don't love so, to hear uh, that, just so you know. Don't ever obsess everything in moderation. Even goo. Yeah. Even goo. true. Thanks to uh, KO Diver. Driver. Appreciate it. And uh, he, he or she was uh, very good at uh, listening to our disclaimer, which is uh, in the month of September, which is when they did wow. this. Uh, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Mm. So, Got the memo and Does that change now that it's October? Wait, it's not. Oh, no, my goodness. September. You'll be okay, buddy. Uh, have more. <laughs> Have another beer. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, we'll get you a Game of Thrones calendar. It's, yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All Theon covers. All no, Theon. Game spreads. of Owns calendar. How about that? Ooh, oh, that should be one of our levels. That's a good idea. That could yeah. be fun. We'll write in and, and tell us if if that's something you would like to uh to see. So far we've already what have we planned? We should talk about Patreon though. We have a we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash goo. Come on down, won't you? Yeah. Um we also we just added some new milestone goals to what? our patreon yeah before oh. we had some wacky ones that were like f- at fifty thousand dollars a month uh eric would get a giant tattoo of the on his Wait, back it wasn't a tattoo yeah, I, let's it no not, it's let's definitely not, a tattoo it goes straight into definitely the a tattoo. Yeah, definitely a tattoo oh yeah okay <laughs> 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 that's right so if you're interested in uh seeing the new show my little oni directed and created by Eric Skull. Uh, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goo. Anything could happen. Anything will happen. <laughs> we will see you next week, everybody. All of the best to you and yours. Fucking Marty Janetti put him through the uh, <laughs> the plate glass window. All right, all right, all right. the Barber Beefcakes Barber Shop. <laughs>